Welcome to the First Century Church Podcast. My name is Stephen Wilhoy, and I'm the lead pastor at First Century Church, and it is an honor to have you with us today. The goal of the podcast is simple. We want you to be encouraged, challenged, and inspired to go further in your faith than ever before. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit our website, firstcenturykc.com. And if you happen to be in the Kansas City area anytime soon, we'd love to have you join us for one of our live gatherings to connect with you in person. Again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. Happy New Year, First Century Church. It's good to have you with us here on what we call Scattered Sunday, uh, the final weekend of the year. It's our tradition. We just take off. We don't meet in person, just have this online video, uh, this online devotion for us to share together, that even though we're not gathered as the church and we're scattered on this Sunday, we're still the church because as we say at First Century, church is not a place, it's people. So I hope that you had a great Christmas holiday and are getting ready for an awesome new year, both in your own life and also in the life of our church. I am optimistic about 2024 being our best year yet, and I'm believing God for great things for you in your life as well. So to get into our devotion for Scattered Sunday, we kind of started an accidental tradition a couple years ago uh, where we're looking at the, the psalm that same number of the coming year. So last year, we looked at Psalm 23 as we entered 2023. So today, we're going to look at Psalm 24 as we enter into the year 2024. It's 10 verses long, and it's just a couple of main ideas I want to look at and unpack for just a few minutes today. So let's read this first, and then we'll kind of look at the two parts of this psalm and see how it can encourage us and challenge us as this new year approaches. So join with me, Psalm chapter 24, starting at verse number 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship you in your presence, O God of Jacob. Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, invincible in battle. Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of heaven's armies, he is the King of glory. So this short psalm, Psalm 24, is all about relationship, and it's really about our relationship with God. So your version that you might be reading and this version that I'm reading here in the New Living Translation actually has these 10 verses in three different sections, but I want to break this psalm up into two different main ideas for just a few minutes here on this Scattered Sunday. The two main ideas that I think this psalm is trying to get us to understand is how we come to God and how God comes to us. That's the two main ideas that we'll cover for just a few minutes. How we come to God and how God comes to us. Let's look at this first idea for just a minute here, how we come to God. Let's reread verses 3 through 6, and it will show us how we should come to God. So let's look at this again. Verse 3, who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. 
they will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. So this is how we come to God. There's, there's quite a bit of imagery here just in these few verses. There's two main ones uh, that I'll point out. First, talking about ascending the mountain of God. So this kind of brings us back to Exodus where Moses went up to the mountain of God to speak with God himself face to face to receive the law of God. He was up there for several days, and when he came back down, it says the glory of the Lord radiated from him, that his hair had turned white and his face shone like the sun. So he ascended the mountain. God called him up to the mountain of God. So that's the first kind of image that this psalm sort of goes back to. The second one is standing in the holy place. So when you read the Old Testament, especially in the book of Leviticus, where a lot of the the priests' laws are, it talks about the Day of Atonement in the book of Leviticus and the most holy place. So this was in the tabernacle, the back small room, and the temple was built later on. Uh, The same idea in the very back small little room in the back of the tabernacle and the temple called the Most Holy Place. It's where the Ark of the Covenant was kept, where God's presence hovered over that. His spirit came down in a very mighty way. But only one person, the high priest of Israel, could go in this, time, in this room one day a year. One person, one day a year could enter the most holy place. And as you read, it says, who can go in here? Only those with clean hands and a pure heart. So when you see that there are laws about only the high priest can go only on this day, he's got to wash himself, put on special garments, he's got to do certain things in this room and then take the garments off and wash again. So their cleanliness was a big deal. And, and really, you know, clean hands and a pure heart, this was huge in the Old Testament law. So maybe you've heard the phrase, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. It's actually not in the Bible. If you thought it was in the Bible, there's no verse that says that. However, the Old Testament has this, has this idea all over it. Cleanliness, you know, even physical cleanliness, dietary cleanliness was a big deal to God, and it separated Israel from other people groups. That's why they had some, some strange laws, some dietary restrictions, several things that are, because it seems weird, but it separated them. They were a holy people. Holy just means set apart. And so they were called the holy people, separated out from, by God, for God. And so he gave them these cleanliness uh, laws. But it wasn't, I know we get focused on, you know, the physical aspects of what's clean, what's not clean, what foods are clean and not clean. But the idea is not simply outer cleanliness, but also an inward holiness. And God talks about both of these in Psalm 24. The psalmist talks about clean hands and a pure heart. You know, this was really a criticism of the Pharisees by Jesus because they really adhered, they thought they did, adhered to the cleanliness laws outwardly. But Jesus tells them, no, you're hypocrites because you think you're keeping the law with these dietary laws and these cleanliness laws. But he says, "You're, you're like whitewashed tombs. Outside, you're clean, you're perfect, but inside, you're dead. You're full of dead men's bones. And so the idea was always to have this really congruity, that it's not just outwardly, but it's inwardly. It's, it's clean hands and a pure heart. But then also, we talk about how we approach God. It is in that way, but it also says, no idols and always tell the truth, no lies. So this is all about really a singular pursuit of God that nothing is more important than him, that no one is more important than him, that nothing is worth pursuing over him. And truth and transparency are paramount in coming to God. 
really this idea of clean hands, pure heart, no idols, no lies. Really, Jesus gets to this idea as well when he has a conversation in John chapter 4 with a Samaritan woman at the well. You probably know this story. In verse 24 of John 4, he tells the woman, he says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Really, he's getting back to Psalm 24 here. So clean hands, truth, no lies, truth, but it's all about no idols and a pure heart. It's spirit. We worship God in spirit and in truth. So if we're going to ask in a very simple way, how do we come to God? If that's what this psalm is getting at in the first part, how do we come to God? The real answer is we come to him honestly. We come to God honestly. We say, God, I desire to come to you, but I'm weak. I'm frail because I'm human. That's honesty. That's coming to him honestly. Because when it talks about ascending a mountain, that's tough. That's hard work. And it's tough spiritually in this way as we come to God. We're human. So we honestly come to him and let him know, hey, I'm, I'm trying. There's an effort. My heart is there. And I need help with kind of the rest of that. Because sometimes my foot slips on the mountain. Sometimes I look down and I get scared because I don't like heights that much. Or sometimes I look up at how far away I am to the summit of this mountain, how far I feel from you, how unholy I feel, and I get discouraged. Sometimes as I'm kind of hanging on the cliff, you know, the edge of the mountain trying to climb, I look around, I get distracted. Oh, look at that beautiful scenery. Oh, look at that bird. You know, look at this. And I get distracted. Sometimes in life we can get that way. You know, sometimes I lack faith if I'm honest. God, sometimes I doubt. I have lots of questions. I have lots of worries and fears, and there's so many unknowns. And that can happen, but we're coming to him honestly in that way. And let me just encourage you with this in the, for the coming year. Whenever you have those moments of doubt or insecurity or discouragement, remember who you're pursuing. Don't forget who you're pursuing. And that's what we see as we look at the first two verses here again. Psalm 24, verses 1 and 2 remind us in this pursuit, yeah, I struggle and I'm weak and I, have, I lack faith and I have doubts and questions and I sin and I'm imperfect. I'm coming to God honestly, but I'm pursuing him. So let's not forget that. Let's look at this again. Psalm 24, 1 and 2. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Remember, you're pursuing the God of the universe. Remember, you're pursuing the God of unlimited power, unlimited knowledge, a perfect, holy, eternal God, a God who made everything from nothing. Don't get discouraged, but also don't get distracted. Remember who your pursuit is. It's of God. And I read this just a couple days ago. Actually, it kind of was interesting how God just brought this to the forefront. I've been reading the last, this last year kind of really short in little spurts here and there, uh, a really old book by a man named St. Augustine from the 4th century, and it's called Confessions. And so it's really sort of an autobiography of his, sort of like journaling his, his prayers, some about his life. And in the middle of this, he makes this point. I, I jumped out to me, so I wanted to share it with you about who we're pursuing and why it's important um, that we pursue him. Uh, here's what it says. He, he writes this. This blessed life is desired by all. There is no one who would not desire it, but if they want it so much, how have they known it? Then later on, he answers this question. Even this is the blessed life. Here it is. To rejoice before you, that's God, in you because of you. Even this and none other. 
As for those who think there is another life, they are chasing another joy and not in the true one. So it's funny how we, we get distracted and we pursue this thing. It becomes an idol. Maybe your career becomes an idol. It overtakes a God's place. Maybe financial security becomes a, a God to you because you rely on that instead of seeing that God's your provider. Maybe it's relationships that I have to have this person like me more than I want to live how God wants me to live. That's not coming to him honestly. It's putting things above him. And St. Augustine says if you try to pursue those other things to find a life of blessedness and happiness, you're not going to find it. Remember, your pursuit, your climb, your goal, your aim is to serve and follow God. That's our goal. So this new year, let's approach God honestly. Our desire should be for him. We should say, God, I desire you most. I need you most above all else. And despite my human frailty and weakness, my goal, my heart, my attempt is to live life your way. Because it's the best way, and it's the way to live the blessed life. So that's how we approach God is honestly. Let's look very quickly then at how um, God comes to us, right? We come to God honestly. How does God come to us? So let's reread the last part of this psalm, verses 7 through 10, and look at how God comes to us. Verse 7, open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord invincible in battle. Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of heaven's armies, he is the king of glory. So how does God come to us? He comes to us as the king of glory. It says he's strong, he's mighty, he's invincible, he's the Lord of heaven's armies. And what we just celebrated just a few days ago was how the king came to us, how God came to us through his son, Jesus that's how God came to us. He's our Savior. That's why his, he's called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is this same king that's talked about in Psalm 24. Jesus is strong. He is mighty. He's invincible. He is the Lord of heaven's armies. He is victorious over sin and death and hell. He is king of all kings and Lord of all lords. So as we come to God honestly... We see here that um, how do we receive him? We receive him openly. It says, open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the king of glory come in. The same way that we come to God in Psalm 24 is the same way that we come to Jesus now. The invitation Jesus just says is, follow me. It's an open invitation for the adventure of a lifetime. Follow me. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat a meal with him as a friend. So we, we come to God honestly, and then we receive him openly. We just open our lives to him and say, Jesus, come into my life. Make me a new person. If you've not done that, this is a great opportunity to do that today. You can come to God honestly and say, God, I'm a sinner and I need help. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. My life is a wreck, and I need you to rescue me from myself. Just come to him honestly and then openly. Say, God, I give my life to you. You can even pray that right now. You can just say, God, I'm honest, and I need help. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I openly give myself to you. Would you save me, cleanse me, make me a new person so I can live for you all of my days? 
Just a simple prayer like that can change the course of your life. And so maybe even as I prayed that, you prayed that in your heart, maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time. You honestly came to God with your sin, your hang-ups, your mess-ups, your past, your issues, and you've come to him openly saying, God, I, I want you to have every part of me, and I want to have every part of you. So maybe your relationship with God is literally 10 seconds long. Congratulations on starting the adventure of a lifetime. Uh, you'll never regret that decision. Maybe you prayed that prayer 10 years ago, 10 months ago, 50 years ago. And so you know this amazing ride is worth it. As you come to God honestly and openly, it changes your life. And that's not just a one-time thing that you pray one time in a prayer to receive Christ, but I pray that this coming year of 2024, we would continue to pray that prayer. God, I come to you honestly with all my frailties and sin and, and issues, and I come to you openly. God, do what you want in me and do what you want through me. As we approach God this year, I pray that we would pursue him honestly and openly and live this life of blessing like we've never known before. That's my hope for us this year in 2024. So thanks for joining me again for this devotion. Happy New Year. Uh, hope to see you at First Century in person next weekend, January the 7th, to start our new year off with a bang, with the year, uh, a week rather, not a year, but a week of uh, prayer and fasting. Love you. Happy New Year. And I'll see you soon. God bless you.